Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We are in the time of COVID-19. The magic are 30 and 35, but none of that matters with the coronavirus postponing not just the NBA season, but normal life as we know. We want to help bring some entertainment to you Magic fans, so we're debuting a new feature called Magical Movies. Our first game, Chicago Bulls, Defending Champions, Seeking a Three-Peat, at your Orlando Magic, in the arena, December 10th, 1997. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jam. Point guard on the 7 6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Turkaloo for the win. Phil Jackson will be Harper and Jordan, Kukoc and Rodman at forwards, and Luke Longley starts in the middle. For Chuck Daly, it's Mark Price and Gerald Wilkins, Bo Outlaw, Horace Grant, and Ronnie Sykley is their starting center. Steele, Bo Outlaw pushes it up the floor against Luke and slams it home. With the fake, had it blocked, put it back up, knocked away, Tony tips it out. Very good, putting 103 points up against a, a very stingy Bulls defensive ball club. All right, we are back, and it's been over a month since we came out with an episode. Uh, stuff has changed a lot. Um, we're going to dive into this this uh, this game, this 1997 game, and then we'll talk about uh, coronavirus and kind of how we're doing later on in the podcast. So, Penny, you ready to jump into this? Let's do it. All right, so uh, to uh, heed to the uh, stay-at-home rules that we have here in uh, Orange County, Penny, uh, Penny's on. We're doing a Zoom call, basically. So if Penny sounds like he's far away, that's that's just the technology we're dealing with. So hopefully we get it going. All right, so the Magic played the Bulls at the arena, December tenth, nineteen ninety-seven. They uh, they won the game, one hundred six to ninety-eight against the defending champion Bulls. Uh, the Bulls fell to. I was surprised that they were. They fell to twelve and eight. So they really got off to a slow, bad start. That's that final three-peat season, and the Magic ended up uh, improving to a fifteen and seven record. Um, so this Magic uh, 97-98 team, uh, just like the Heart and Hustle team of nineteen ninety nine two thousand, they uh, they went forty one and forty one, and also did not make the playoffs. Um, you know this Bulls team—they're just limping ahead, just trying to—you know—it's the last dance basically. And I don't know about you, Penny, but I can't wait for that ten-part uh, MJ Last Dance documentary to come out by ESPN. Some sorely needed sports content that we're waiting on. Because it was supposed to come out in June, but because of what's going on with uh, COVID nineteen, they're really trying to push it out as soon as possible. So hopefully we'd get that really soon. Um, 
So, yeah, so the Bulls are on their way to a three-peat. So, okay, for, as you could maybe hear uh, with the audio, and apologies if the volume for the uh, for the one-minute clip I put together was low. There's a ton of feedback on it, and, and all the, and the, only, the only way we could get rid of it is to lower the volume on it. But um, Penny's out for this game for the Magic. He, has this, he had the knee surgery. Nick Anderson's out with a hand injury. Derek Strong, which you would think wasn't an important piece, actually was an important piece for this team around this time. He was also out. So Mark Price, Gerald Wilkins, and Bo Outlaw are starting next to Horace Grant and Ronnie Cycli. Um, with the Bulls, they don't have Scottie Pippen. Um, the Bulls commentators, uh, if you've listened or watched the game, um, they've definitely complained a lot about being on the second game of back-to-back. And, oh, Jordan's got his finger wrapped up. And I don't know, do you want to comment on just some of the excuses the Bulls do over making at the beginning? Well, I will say, well, okay, yeah, for sure, they're definitely uh, bringing up the second night of a back-to-back over and over and talking about getting into, did we get into the hotel at 3 a.m., or did we get into the city at 3 a.m. and then have to travel to the hotel? Uh, I, I would think they had, a, did they have their own, pri- I'm assuming they had their own private flights then. I, I, I got to imagine by then they did. I think it was like early to mid-90s is when all the NBA teams started not doing commercial flights and actually I'm sure that Jordan didn't travel commercial. <laughs> so you, I, I would hope the whole team <laughs> was together, but yeah, that's right. I mean, Jordan had more access to anything he wanted than his teammates. So anyway, yeah, that was when teams were, you know, getting nowadays that getting into the hotel at 3am nowadays that turns into like 1am at the latest now. So that's just very interesting. I, I will say that, you know, obviously we're spoiled with, uh, David Steele and Jeff Turner, and and much more spoiled previously with Maddie Gugas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a refreshing call for the uh, for Johnny Kerr and. Uh, this is Tom Doors for this one, um, Tom or Tom Doors. Door, okay. yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, right yeah. down the middle, and some insightful nuggets and notes along the way, right? Yeah. So uh, Michael Jordan, who. Most Magic fans, if you've looked on YouTube, and that's the other thing with this series is we're trying to do games where you can see all the games entirely on YouTube, and pretty much all those mid, all those '90s games, Jordan's dropping at least 40 points. In this one against the Magic, he drops what's I definitely consider a quiet 25 points, and I'm going to give Gerald Wilkins a ton of credit defensively for that. Um, so before, so if if you've ever listened to say like the Ringer, they'll do like a, a, a like a rewatchables of a game. We're kind of doing that, except we're making the categories and obviously focusing in on just magic stuff. But um, just going over a few details before we get into said categories. Um, I just love how determined Horace Grant still is playing his former team that he won championships with. You just don't see that type of anger anymore. I mean, Horace won those first three championships with the Bulls and to see how pissed off he was from, you know, as soon as he joined the magic in 94, uh, you know, all the way through to the end. It's, it's just great. He, he, he's playing with a little extra. Yeah, definitely meant a lot more to him. Uh, and you don't, he wasn't like a a hugely emotional player. No, he was a very level headed guy. That's what made, I mean, he was the key piece that made, those you know mid '90s Magic teams, awesome. He literally was the last. Like he had been there before. He knew what it took to be on a championship team. But I mean, Horace during the stretch, 
you know, during this, you know, stretch in this 97-98 season, he's averaging like 15, 17 points per game. Like, he's putting up points, whereas, you know, when it was both Shaq and Penny, like, he was pretty much the fourth scoring option. Right. So, um, it's a very tight first half. The Bulls lead at halftime by five. Um, Dennis Rodman is annoying the whole game. I mean, you can just see why people hated him, playing against him anyway. Um, and... I will say that the lead scorer of this game is Ronnie Cycli, and he has a terrible shooting game, but he goes 16 of 17 from the free throw line. And you and I haven't seen this from a Magic team since Dwight Howard was the te- was on the team, and that's because Dwight would get hacked, and he certainly wasn't going 16 to 17. He'd go like 9 to 17 from the free throw line. Um, you know what's funny about the free throw shooting? You talked about kind of an underwhelming game for... Michael Jordan, uh, he did the bulk of his damage on the foul line. Oh, yeah. 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 But Dennis Rodman, there's a graphic. The first trip that he goes to the line, uh, I think it's the first quarter, they flash the graphic, Dennis Rodman shooting 34.5% from the free throw line. Oh, my God. I forgot seeing that. Holy shit. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you're right about MJ. MJ only went 6 of 17 from the field. He was a perfect 13 of 13 from the line. So you're correct. The Rodman's free throw shooting of 34.5% is only the third worst in the league. I don't know who was worse than him at the time, but there were two, two worst free throw shooters in the NBA uh, as of December 1997. Can I guess Chris Dudley? I would imagine that has to be one of them. Wasn't Chris Dudley like a career like 46% free throw shooter from the line? So it, he has to be in there, but... Yeah. Um, Heck, maybe it was Shaq early on that his Lakers season. I don't know. We'd have to see, but um, oh man, let me see. Uh, so Chicago has a seventy-five to seventy-one lead entering the fourth quarter, setting the stage for a really good fourth quarter. I, I'm, I'm, we're trying to pick games here where the final score is at least over a hundred points because God knows when you get into those like eighty-point games. Um, there's just you just know it's just ugly. There's a lot of defense. There's a lot of fouls. This game, I don't know if you want to agree or disagree. Pretty free flowing for the most part, even with all the fouls that end up happening and some of the free throws, especially down the stretch. Well, I think for a '90s game, it was fairly free flowing. But you rewatch this era of basketball, or you know, it's a small sample size. It's one <clears> game, right? On yeah. The second back to back, but the. The pace of play is so much slower. <laughs> it makes the fast breaks really pop, especially when you get, you know, Bo Outlaw running full speed to try and chase down Ron Harper or something. Yeah. And the, the quality of shots that are generated, except for Tony Kukoc just flying blind, you know, every every possession is ending up pretty much in a wide ass open, uncontested jump shot if it's not a post play. Oh man! So the Magic are down four, entering the fourth. They use a 9-0 run to take an 81-79 lead about midway through the fourth quarter. Um, and then uh, MJ, he looks definitely gassed down the stretch. Um, the Magic end up going on an overall 17-4 run to make it a 90-83 game with about five minutes ago as they're force feeding Ronnie Cycli. And you know, MJ kind of wakes up a bit late. You know, he gets this really just sexy, tough and one lefty finger roll layup to cut the magic lead to just three with about a minute 16 to go in regulation. But uh, Cycli ends up finishing it off. YouTube. What's that? 
it's worth watching the YouTube of the game just to see that play. That was a really fun finish. Yeah, it's it's really good. And, um, you know, as we said, the Bulls broadcast, it's Johnny Kerr and Tom Doors. Um, they, you know, they had just come off a win in Chicago over the Knicks the night before. So that Chicago to Orlando flight, it's not the greatest one from a distance <laughs> situation. Um I made sure they weren't on a back-to-back-to-back situation because you would see one of those here and there. It was more of an issue during the lockout season. But All right, so the officials, a very young Tony Brothers, who is still going today, uh, a definitively balding Tommy Nunez Sr., and then Mark Wunderlich are the officials. Don't know if you have any comments on either or not. Um, it's funny how the, the, broad, the Bulls broadcast is picking on Tony Brothers because they know he's a young guy, but... It's just funny seeing now, you know, 23 years later, he's still doing it. And right. it's he's he's a young still, pup in that game. He's still getting picked on, but just not because he's the young guy. Yeah, it's just because he's not great. But um, anyway, so attendance, sell, it's a sellout, of course, 17,248. Unfortunately, with the arena, um, you do notice those red empty seats a little bit, kind of scattered across the lower bowl. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's more of a sellout than what you would call them now at the Amway Center. So... Um, Speaking of sellouts, did mm-hmm. you see like at every free throw break during the game that in spite of the fact that Chicago's coming off two titles and, you know, five in the last seven years? Yeah. And in spite of the fact that they have a 500-game sellout streak, they have some pretty nice giveaways. I know, on. man. They were giving out championship posters. They were giving out, I don't remember if it was yeah. a bobblehead, but yeah, hats. Like, they're giving out some good gear, and it's like... I mean, the Magic used to have amazing giveaways as well, but that that hasn't happened in ten years at least. Like they like the the nineties and the early two thousands, basically up until Stan Van Gundy comes in as head coach. Like the Magic themselves had some damn good giveaways. But you're right, man. I'm I'm watching this and like, you've won five championships in seven years. Like you don't have to give this much stuff away. But hey, kudos to them. Hell, so. Um, I guess it's just a different time where you're not pinching every penny, I guess. But uh, anyway, so uh, what I want to point out for every game is former Magic players that are on the opposing team in this game. Uh, the two of them, both of them came off Chicago's bench, Steve Kerr and Judd Bushler. Both of them with very brief Magic stints. Uh, Bushler maybe a little bit more successful than Kerr in that regard for the Magic. But um, all right, so let's get to the categories. Um, like I said, we, we're going to be open to suggestions, whether, you know, it's changing the order of how we, how we go through the categories, whether you want to nominate a new category or whether you want to nominate a new name for the category. So we're going to start out with the Jack Sweater Vest Guy Nelson Fashion Award. So I'm going to, I got two things listed down. I'll throw out my first one and then you can throw one out if you got one. But, um, it's very noticeable, but the Magic have several players wearing eyewear in this game. You got Danny Shays, you got Bo Outlaw. They both basically have the same, what look like Oakleys almost. Obviously, they're bigger than that, but um, just these clear, uh, they're clear eyewear. And then Horace with his kind of patented trademark blue and white goggles. Um, but then on the bench, you even have Nick Anderson is wearing glasses in his suit while he's out with that broken hand. Um, you know, Coach Chuck Daly. And uh, Phil Jackson for the Bulls are both wearing glasses. And then Randy Brown, the backup point guard for the Bulls, is also in goggles. I don't know if you got something out there you want to throw out. No, I was, I, my, was, my pick was exactly the same. I think it was fun watching the cutaways to 
Nick Anderson injured on the bench with the, with the with the uh, folding chair pulled up like per- perpendicular to the actual bench, and then just consistently adjusting the eyewear that's probably not prescription for him. <laughs> no. And then um, I, I just want to point out I like our dark player warmups for this season. I think late '90s Magic they just they just kept kind of rolling out um, really nice looking dark uh, warmups, but. Unless you got something else, I'm, I'm going with the eyewear for the fashion award. Yeah, a lot of eyewear. All, most of it's good. All right, uh, we're going to get into more of a game one, and I, I don't know if you got anything better than this, but uh, most, or if you want to at least mention the nominee, but most magical momentum move uh, is what we're calling it. And uh, this one, it's pretty obvious. It's Daryl, uh, Mister before he was Flash, uh, Daryl Armstrong diving on the court off the uh, Magic blocking a bull shot on the complete other end of the court. It's like a loose ball. Um, the Magic are down six with about two minutes to go in the – or two minutes into the fourth period, so ten minutes to go in the game. Um, basically, it's a loose ball. Randy Brown is kind of running back to get it without realizing that Daryl is in a complete dead sprint getting the ball or trying to get the ball and pretty much steals it from Randy Brown. Um, you can hear the floor burn. If you listen to the YouTube audio, like you can hear the floor burn. It's it's insane. Um, and as Daryl's on the ground, while he's still on his back, he feeds Derek Harper for this just smooth layup. Magic are down four. It's a huge boost for the team and the crowd. Everybody's on their feet. It's like about 30 seconds plus of their sustained, like, holy shit energy. Even the Bulls broadcast has to, has to praise the play. And then... Um, I mean, we can call it a sequence or not, because a minute later, Daryl then forces another Randy Brown turnover where the refs definitely miss a foul, but um, instead it just they end up tagging Randy Brown with a technical foul. So that that that's that's my swing. That's that's my magical momentum move. I don't know if you got like another nominee there, Spence. No, that it's one A and one B <clears> for those plays, but the funny part about it, the second one where Randy Brown immediately gets teed up afterwards. Yeah. Is, uh, Danny Shays is the guy who selected to shoot the technical free throw, so he promptly clanks it. <laughs> and Tony Kukoc comes down and hits like a highly contested rainbow shot that somehow goes in. So even though those plays uh, generated a huge momentum swing, immediately after, uh, Kukoc comes back and puts one in your eye. I know, man. It's it's insane. And we'll, we'll talk more about Kukoc in this game, but... Um, yeah, I, I can't think of a better one, and it's a patented, you know, I posted the GIF on my uh, Twitter handle, um, you know, when we post this podcast, I'll, I'll, I'll tie it to the thread that I have for it, but it's just insane how much go- how much ground Daryl covers, and it's, it's one of those highlights that's on his uh, Magic Hall of Fame highlight reel, and I wasn't always certain which game it was from until I found it on this. I'm like, oh, this is the game, okay, so, um, all right. other one where Shaq is sliding into the stanchion and looking left and right before he throws the ball over his head like it was always on inside stuff every week I don't know a good sliding player I I don't think that one's from his rookie year because he he looks a little bit bigger in that one maybe it's his sophomore season with the magic I don't know but I I can't remember what game that's from and I'd like to find it the parquet floor very smooth yeah, I maybe we haven't mentioned it, but well, we'll mention it later. But um, all right, next award, uh, because you and I love this. It's the Brian Hill clipboard smashing play of the game. 
So basically, any awful sequence or situation that would make a coach smash their clipboard, I have two. I'll, I'll give you the first one. I don't know if you have one, but I'll give you the first one. Um, it's Ron Harper gets like five field goals in the paint in the middle of the second quarter in what seems like a three-minute stretch, um, which includes like three tippins for field goals. And surprisingly, almost all of them come against Bo Outlaw, who, who we'll talk more about Bo, but um, that's one of them. I don't know if you got one. I, well, okay. So mine is uh, partially just a change. It was, it was a different time. There's one sequence, I believe it's the second quarter, mm-hmm. where the Bulls miss like six or seven shots in a row but get six or seven consecutive offensive rebounds before they finally score. On, I think it's a tip-in or Luke Longley pulls something out of his ass or something. So first of all, you got Bo Outlaw as your small forward and then two other bigs. Like you got to get a rebound eventually even though you're going against Dennis Rodman. And then secondly, they used to play sound effects mid-possession. So, so when the Bulls would miss a shot, you would hear the uh, wah wah sound effect, <laughs> yeah. stuff, which doesn't exactly pay off when they keep possession for the next ninety seconds and then still score the ball. No, there's there's also some unfortunate timing with this one. Like, so the the game ops crew wasn't that wasn't on their game for this one necessarily. Not not a hundred percent. Like, there's a couple times where they played the womp womp sound effect for the magic, or and then yeah. they'll play like something positive for the Bulls. It's it's a lot of sound effects, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more as well. But um, All right, so another moment I have is um, the Bulls are down three with a minute to go in the game. Rodman's defending cycling the post. Ronnie does his patented baseline spin move, and Rodman just takes a swipe at Ronnie. He gets a what I would consider a reputation flagrant foul, and basically it clinches the win for the Magic. Um, I think overall for 90s basketball – that wouldn't be considered a, a flagrant foul during that time, but because it was a it was Rodman and he kind of whacks Ronnie in the head, it was a flagrant. I don't know if you want to comment I, on that. Yeah, I agree with you. It was pretty tame when you're watching it uh, live and the first replay. You go, oh, it seems excessive. Then you watch it a couple more times and you go, okay, he did foul him at the like at his waist. He grabbed him, uh, and then after the foul, he came through with the uh, quiff on the you know head and neck and the follow-through but still for 90s basketball uh definitely more based on reputation than actual uh assault and battery on that play. <laughs> so um i'm gonna say ryan uh, ron harper for getting the five field goals in like three minutes in the paint is is my is my um is my award winner for brian hill clipboard smashing play of the game i don't know if you want to go with yours or a different one uh, the Rodman play, probably, because that essentially locked it down for the match. All right, that's fair. Okay. Um, all right, next, the uh, Richie Adubato best broadcast moment. I have a long list of these, so... Um, and if you ever listen to the Magic Radio broadcast, you'll know why we love Richie Adubato. But, um, so... The first one, out of the gate, like a minute in, basically, MJ does the hand chalk clap. So basically what LeBron does, but before that, obviously. Um, he do, MJ does the chalk clap right in front of uh, Kerr and Doors, and they make the fake choking noises. And I think it's a good way to just stay loose going into a broadcast. I, I, I got a good chuckle out of that. Um, maybe there's some real choking involved, and maybe we shouldn't enjoy it so much. But uh, yeah, There's actually a talc uh, class action lawsuit still pending. <laughs> <laughs> is there or did you just throw that in there? <laughs> I'm just assuming. Yeah, that's probably a good assumption. Um, 
And then uh, for one of so one of the graphics during the broadcast is they're doing the math and figuring out that had he not retired, Michael Jordan would have already passed Wilt Chamberlain for second place on the NBA all-time scoring list. Instead, he was four thousand points behind. I think that's clever. I, I, I'm very surprised because it's not the most positive thing to be like, "Hey, MJ, you kind of dished us there for a couple years." So um, I like it. And then, um, do you have one that's on your list? So we're gonna. I'm sure we're gonna get into this later. I have one that's not really part of the broadcast, but was still funny enough to me that I noted it down. Okay. So, uh, if, if you watch the game, the Bulls broadcast team is seated directly next to the Bulls bench. So yes. A lot of Phil Jackson interaction throughout the game. Yes. And I'm gonna steal this. You might have this. No, go for it. Steal away. I got more. There's a there's a sequence in the third quarter where Luke Longley makes perhaps the best professional basketball move that he made in his entire career, like a sweeping up and under fancy footwork lefty hook, and he runs down the court, and then you hear Phil Jackson just screaming out, what a shot, what a hook. So, and, and yeah. It's being complimentary, but also if you know anything about the Phil Jackson and Luke Longley dynamic, it was just like mental warfare the whole time so he he makes a great left-handed hook and then he just phil jackson takes a big dump on him all the way back down the floor he's he's messing with his mind for sure so luke longley goes four of 13 in this game which i thought he did a lot better than that but um the game i mean i'll mention it a little later but the game pretty much ends once uh luke longley basically fouls out in the fourth but um so yeah i have phil jackson screaming on my list this one specifically was when he screams execution uh during the fourth quarter only for the the bulls broadcast to call out how bad the bench is and how they need a better ball handling point guard <laughs> it's it's again it's very balanced uh broadcasting which i miss it's it's great um another one i have is the bulls whip up a senior circuit graphic showing that the bulls were the second oldest team in the nba and the magic were the fourth oldest again creative it, it's it's kind of like it'd be up where David Steele's alley where it's you know is this anything type of thing I think that would get a, a ding um, you have another one I got two more I will defer to you <laughs> okay so um, they show a lot of love to uh, Julius Irving Dr. J who at this point is part of the magic organization uh, in the front office and they also bring up how Pat Williams uh, and they show him in the crowd with one of his patented shirts but uh, Pat Williams had given them his newest book. I couldn't tell which one of the million that he's written it would have been. Might have been number like twenty three. I don't know, but um, it's just it's just good positive stuff. They they really have good things to say for Dr. J and and Pat. And then um, <laughs> my favorite quote maybe, and this isn't a category because we won't always get a good quote. But uh, the quote come is Price beating the hell out of Mike in the post and. Yeah. Uh, uh, as, as he's trying to keep Michael away from the rim, obviously, and it's it's just great. You you wouldn't hear anyone saying beating the hell during a broadcast ever, probably now. So, um, oh man. So I, I think we can more we can morph our two Phil Jackson things together and just say Phil Jackson's the best part of the broadcast because you can hear all the stuff he's saying. Unless you want to go with something else. Well, you forget how much of a prick he was during. I mean, it was. Well, I did. I didn't, but a lot of people do. But comparatively, much more of a prick in Chicago than in L.A. And he was still a prick in L.A. Well, I think in L.A. too, he's he has to sit on like those special chairs by then. Like here, he's still mobile for the most part and still fairly healthy. So I think that's part of it too. Um, 
So we're gonna go with Phil, I guess, for that one. All right, uh, I have. I have two for what for our next award. So it's the Brian Cook Heat Check Award. Um, some people may or may not forget the Cookie Monster back around uh, 07, 08. Um, so the uh, so I, I I have uh, Tony Kukoc is just slinging it and just swishing shots galore in the first quarter. And then my other one that I have is um, Mark Price finds himself in a shooting duel with Kukoc in the third quarter. As Price is just smoothly just dropping in Jays. I don't know if you got a specific one or not. Yeah, I, uh, I have, well, okay. Daryl Armstrong comes into the game uh, and immediately, it's one of those things where he's not quite getting the defensive respect and he's trying desperately to throw entry passes. This is before he gets in a good groove with Forrest Grant and the pick and roll and stuff. Uh huh. And obviously, Daryl played a great game. Yeah. Uh, but he starts off real cold, and he's shooting the ball a lot, a lot, and clanking. So that's that's my heat check, just right off the bench, coming in and firing away, kind of out of necessity. You know, I, I'll, I'll give you Daryl. We'll, we'll go with Daryl for that one, because he's, he's really, really trying in this game. This is where he's coming off the bench consistently with Chuck for Chuck Daly's team. And it kind of sucks, because he's going – he comes off – you know, starting some games in the 97 playoff series against the Heat under Richie Adubato. And, you know, instead Chuck Daly's like, give me Mark Price, give me Derek Harper, and and, and Daryl's kind of back to coming off the bench, at least for, for good portions of this season. Um, all right, so, yeah, we'll go with Daryl for that. All right, next award, the Illumide Oyadeji That Guy Award. So, basically, just somebody that, you kind of forgot about that you see in the game. I only have one guy, and it's Joe Klein for the Bulls. Um, even though he had a long career, he's 36 years old at this point. Just You remember him for just his big, thick red beard, and he's just a walking foul. Like He's there for six fouls, basically. I don't know if you got a better that guy. Uh, other than the fact that Derek Harper is elderly and decrepit and still... Actually, a focal point of the offense. He's good though. That's the yeah. scary thing. Like especially in this game, like he's good on both ends. And so, Joe, Joe Klein is a relic of the every team needs a white stiff, and Chicago needs four of them from the nineties. So, <laughs> pretty much any time he has to come in for either Longney or Rodman, just the magic going to run basically in this game. It's it's great. I love it. Um, I'm gonna say it's Joe Klein. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, the Johnny Davis Coaching Bach Award, Botch Award. Sorry, Botch, not Bach. <laughs> it's uh, I got a, I got four listed down. Um, three of them involve Phil Jackson. So um, my first one is Phil Jackson blatantly leaving Horace Grant open on jumpers the whole night, which he'd been doing on and off since Horace joined the Magic. But you know, Horace has 17 points in the game, and he kind of he kind of shut Phil up for that game. Do you have any? Uh, yeah, it was hard to believe that they kept sending the hard double on Ronnie Cycli, uh, and where it's just one pass out to Horace Grant in the sweet spot. My botch award goes to Chuck Daly, who in the fourth quarter is the most animated that you've seen him since 1992. <laughs> like he really wants the game, and then for some reason with a minute and a half left, he decides to... Uh, even though Gerald Wilkins had been sitting a little bit in the fourth, he decides to go with Derek Harper to play defense on Michael Jordan in the in crunch time. And again, Derek Harper is 36 going on 86. <laughs> and 
lot of other uh, athletic and younger options. And then obviously, like you said, Wilkins had done a real good job on Jordans at that point. So I have a different spin on that, and it'll be it'll come up in another award. So it's it's very interesting you do bring that. Yeah, Wilkins basically doesn't play much at all in the fourth quarter. Um, my mistake that I have listed for Chuck Daly is that he goes with a Ronnie Cycli, Danny Shays front court to start the fourth quarter. And that's when the Bulls kind of build their lead temporarily. They're up four to start the fourth, but then they go up by like eight. And then the Daryl stuff happens. But um, for a little bit there, I'm just like, man, we're big. We're really big. <laughs> and um, The other two that I have are Phil Jackson related. So um, I have Phil Jackson not emphasizing to his team the four-speed coach more in the fourth quarter. Um, Tony clearly has it going like throughout the night. And he should have had way more than 18 shot attempts, I feel like. Um, and then the other one that I have is Phil throws Joe Klein in when Luke Longley fouls out and he waited just way too long to put Dennis Rodman back in. Even if that meant that, you know, Cycli was going to post them up, Klein wasn't stopping Ronnie in the post. So, um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go with Phil not giving Tony Kukoc more shots. That's, that's my Johnny Davis coaching botch award. I don't know which one you want to go with. Yeah, Kukoc was making it rain, and it didn't matter if there was a hand in his face or not. So uh, probably, what, 13 shot attempts for Luke Longley? Probably six of those should have gone to Tony Kukoc. <laughs> yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, so we'll go with that. All right, the uh, Stan Van Gundy Best Coaching Decision Award. So you were talking about um, you know Gerald Wilkins not playing the fourth. I actually give Johnny Chuck Daly credit for having the guts to st- to sit Gerald Wilkins in crunch time. He um he clearly saw something where he wanted the team to have two uh, ball handlers on the court in crunch time. So he was either going with a Derek Harper Daryl Armstrong backcourt or the uh, Mark Price Harper backcourt and. I actually think it worked out pretty well. I mean, we win the game, obviously, but I mean, there's a few times where it's like, you know, the Magic are having to spread the floor or just kind of milk the clock, and I think it works out pretty well for them. Um, do you have a specific one? Uh, I think just the fact that Bo Outlaw was uh, uh, the starting small forward, and then they let him run 40, almost 44 minutes of game time. Uh, you don't see that anymore. You saw a lot more back then, right? But yeah. kind of flexing the lineups around to keep him on the floor when he was a real difference maker and, and combating Dennis Rodman on the boards, too. Oh, I praise Bo a lot towards the end of these these awards here. So so my my decision, and I'm very confident in this one, it's um, having seen Daryl Armstrong succeed in his one-man full-court press that tied the game at 79-all with eight minutes to go, Chuck Daly just tells his entire bench unit to do a full-court press for about a full five minutes. And the Bulls bench unit just struggles with it. Magic take the lead. They don't trail ever again in the rest of the game. Maybe Phil should be chided for leaving his bench out there way too long, but um, just full credit to Chuck Daly. He just he unleashes the full-court press, and it's it's a thing of beauty. So I don't know if you want to go with that or if you want to go a different one for our SVG Best Coaching Decision Award. Uh, I think the full court press sparked the run that won the game, so that has to be the award winner. Okay. Um, next category, and this one we can – somebody please make up a better title for this, but um, the best – huh, I forgot about that moment. Um, I have about five items listed. So the first one I have is – 
that magic bench unit, which is led by Daryl Bo, even though Bo starts this game, he was still technically part of this bench unit, and Derek Harper, they are called the Hounds, and the nicknames are great. Daryl's nickname is like Top Dog, Top Dog, and Derek Harper because he's old and decrepit. I guess they call him Old Greyhound, and it's just great. I, it's, it, there's not many great like creative bench unit nicknames. I like this one. So, uh, do you have a specific one? Yeah, I did not remember that they were the hounds. <laughs> no, I completely forgot about this. Yeah. Here's here's my uh, forgot about this. Uh, first of all, Brian Evans uh, from Indiana is a forgettable Magic draft pick. But I forgot that his free throw routine included no dribbles, which is reminiscent of a young... Uh, our, our good friend at high school, Justin Ty, who also, <laughs> uh, my high school teammate who did not dribble the basketball during his free, free throw routine, uh, which is pretty strange for, for a basketball player and oftentimes tries to get beaten out of you by coaches. So. Um, speaking of Brian Evans, I, I have pointed out here that Magic fans are just a little extra excited when Brian Evans does anything good. It's kind of the J.J. Reddick treatment before J.J. was actually like a consistent bench unit guy um so and clearly it wasn't awarded because evans just was not a good draft pick for us um i got three more so the bulls broadcast bringing up that the nba banned pumping in loud noise or music um it definitely pertained to the magic but it didn't matter because their fans are still really loud and really awesome during these arena days but it's still funny that the magic are still playing a shit ton of sound effects anyway <laughs> and there's they fought it as long as they could until i think the nba just put them in just in handcuffs and says no more but um i have two more do you have any other ones you want to add penny i have one more general which is just you forget how good <laughs> mark price was even still at what 33 or 34 years yeah old. he's 33 he looks like he's older than john stockton which i think stockton was like 36 or 37 this season but um, it's just, so it's, the, it's crazy. The shooting stroke is pure. The ball handling, like, competent wizardry. And anyone who hasn't watched any of his, like, uh, Cleveland Cavalier mixtapes, you're doing yourself a disservice because he was uh, pretty spectacular. He's really freaking good. It's it's surprising. Um, okay, I have the uh, Derek Harper versus Ron Harper matchup listed here. Also, Derek Harper is so lengthy. Like, I don't know what his wingspan was, but... There's a few times during, and maybe some of it's too part of the YouTube quality, which overall is good, but there's a few times where Derek and Bo are both out on the court, and because Harper is so lengthy, I sometimes confuse the two for one another. Like, I sometimes thought, you know, Derek, Harper was Bo, and it's like, oh no, it's Harper, oh shit, and it's just the size there. He's 6'4", I don't know what his wingspan was, but it, it was lengthy, and um, he's, he plays good on both ends in this game, he just does. Um and then the other thing I mentioned was, you know, you, you already mentioned it. Mark Price is only 33 years old, and maybe it's the dad haircut or I don't know what, but um, he looks almost as old as a 36-year-old Derek Harper, if not older. And, you know, both of them play well this game, so kudos to them. All right, um, what, do we want to give, what do we want to give for the uh, best huh, I forgot about that moment? Are we doing the Hounds? Are we doing something else? I like the Hounds. I think we... <laughs> First of all, we forgot that, I, like I told you, the, the years between Shaq's departure and before the Heart and Hustle team all kind of run together, I was not aware that there was a, a, a bench unit nomenclature. Yeah. All right, that wins. 
Um, all right, best musical performance. I have two things. First one I have is the magic are still still which they still use on rare occasion today, but um, I'm I'm going with uh, hit the road jack for when Luke Longley fouls out midway in the fourth. I just I I dare you not to wave it at the guy when he fouls out as he's miserably walking to the bench. Like it's it's great. Like you have to wave at the guy when it happens. That's that's just my thing. You have one? Uh, that's the far and away the winner. Okay. But I will say I don't know. This is not quite applicable. Uh, but in the 90s, before the game tipped off, Paul Porter used to say, here come the magic prior to tip-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they they switched it uh, to, like, let's get loud for your magic and then stand and cheer for your magic uh, back and forth. There's nothing better than Paul Porter in his prime, even though it's not music, it's just PA, the here come the magic prior to the game getting started. It still counts as a musical performance. It's because... I also have nominated on here the Magic Crowd for chanting Beat the Bulls for basically the entire night. And our, at a Magic game now, like you don't hear that ever. Like It has to be no, like the, coaxed the, out. The crowd is fully engaged the whole time. It's, uh, I, it's, yeah. it's great. We're December, and granted, it's the Bulls, right? But we're coming off losing Shaq. Penny Hardaway is basically out. You know, he's out for the year. And yeah. Everyone's fully invested in the game. It's it's great. It's still back when the Magic had like a top three crowd. I feel like in the NBA, and I'll fight anybody over that. Um, so we're we're going with hit the road, Jack. It's a classic. We love it. All right. Uh, still got some more coming. Uh, the Tree Rollins Oldie but a Goodie Award. So basically, what's aged well here? Um, I mean, I gotta say, I'm going with Derek Harper at age 36, Danny Shays at age 38. Both still getting it done. Um, I have Bo Outlaw's Western themed music. From basically the good and the bad and the ugly getting played whenever he checks in, I, I just I love it. They they really did a good job using that. Um, I got four more, but what you got one you want to add? Uh, yeah, Gerald Wilkins <laughs> and Mark Price and Derek Harper are the oldies, but the goodies. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I also added uh, the Goodings scorers table advertisement that green yeah. orange color clash which. It's it's horrible on the eyes, but you'll never forget it. It's it's really good advertising because you just can't forget the Gooding sign. Um, you forget that the Magic used to have the you know the billboards lining the court, which was a different look for the arena. Uh, you remember those mini shopping carts? That's pretty nostalgic for Goodings. Right? <laughs> yeah, I love those things. I, I miss Goodings. There used to be a Goodings right near my house, uh, growing up in the, near near the Conway area. Um, those are those are long gone you know, around here. Um, I got three more. So Chuck Daly going with, and I had mentioned it in a previous category, but Chuck Daly going with two ball handling point guards late. Um, I just feel like that's aged well, especially the way things are done now today. Like you have to have like three or four ball handlers on the court, whereas in the '90s, like they really still mostly depended on one guy bringing it up the court. Um, and then two more. The Magic entered the game. Leading the league in fewest personal fouls committed per game, which I think would make Steve Clifford very proud. Um, again, this was a very good defensive yeah. Magic unit, especially at home. Like they, they, they were a good home team. And then um, Magic fans getting extra loud when anything got called against Michael Jordan, be it a foul or a legal defensive call. Basically, it's the same way they would treat LeBron James now. So, um, man, which one of those you want to go with for a Tree Rollins oldie but a goodie award? Oldie but a goodie, Chuck Daly still getting it done, probably, right? Yeah, let's yeah, we're gonna go with that. I'm good with that. Um, all right, I have 
For the uh, next one, I have the Dominique Wilkins Oldie Not a Goodie Award. So basically, what's aged bad here? Um, this might be the clear winner, but it's the uh, the arena staff playing Dude Looks Like a Lady, the song for Dennis Rodman when he picked up the flagrant foul and he's kind of having a fit. And that just that song just wouldn't fly now in 2020 when you play that for a, a, a person. So um, I don't know if you got a specific one. I got two more. Uh, I have a couple others, but that's going to be the clear winner. Uh, Danny Shay's old. Oop, hold on, you cut out there. Sorry, you're saying. Sorry, say, say it again. Danny Shay's what? Uh, yeah, Danny Shay's like rigor mortis style, just not being able to hit an uncontested jump shot standing all by himself. And then I have Brendan Sir, who you may remember. <laughs> Your favorite person in the world. <laughs> a long time. Chuck Daly assistant who has made uh, more of a career off of knowing Chuck Daly and writing books, uh, starting coaching clinics, and writing the coattails of a deceased basketball genius to uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. It's unbelievable. The man, hey man, I'm, I mean, I gotta tip my hat my hat to him almost. It's it's crazy what he's been able to do with that, but um, you wanted to add something to the Sir stuff or no? Yeah, well, just just he's still coaching, uh, actually, for the Stets and the Hatters under former UCF coach Donnie Jones to this day. Right, so he was, and he was, he was uh, Donnie Jones' assistant coach here for UCF too when he was coaching here. So, all right, I got two more. Um, Bo Outlaw shooting stroke and shot selections, um, yeah. just so unpredictable that it it does benefit him a couple times during the game because the Bulls don't know how to defend him, but. There's some bad missed shots in this game from Bo, and he still has a hell of a game, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, I got one more. Um, there's just a lot of long two-point jumpers in this game, just a lot of long twos um, in a game where each team hits four three-pointers. So, And I think one I think one team went four for 16 from three, the other went four for 15. That's just that's just mid-late 90s basketball for the most part. Yeah. So, um, I'm going with the Dude Looks Like a Lady song. I don't know if you got any others you want to add. Alright. Um, most magical shots. So the most important basket in the game. Uh, I got two nominations. I have Ronnie Cycli's beautiful baseline post up finger roll layup to that he finished on Joe Klein to put the magic up seven with five minutes to go. Um, I think that made it ninety to eighty three. And then the only other one I got is um, I'm giving a Bo a shout out for grabbing a rebound off his own missed free throw attempt late in the second quarter and just ramming it home with a with a dunk. Um, just great focus, just great um, just effort, and mine's going to be that Ronnie post-up finger roll. You got any? Uh, there was a very important Bo Outlaw offensive putback to like beat the shot clock where he went up and under with a left hand. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the I think the winner for me is Derek Harper converting the layup off of Daryl Armstrong. Okay, alright, that's fair. I'll, I'll give you the Derek Harper one. I mean, it, that's a huge basket. It, it really is. Just that whole play. It, it swings the whole game. And, yeah, it's it's big. So, um, alright. Is anyone at their peak here in this game? So, I I have a few. I have quite a few here. Um, I have Phil Jackson's complaining might be at its peak here. And maybe it's, 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 it's solely because the Bulls broadcast mics pick up everything. But... So it's the last year of him trying to deal with uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry Krause too. He's probably fed up to the to the hilt. He's trying to drag this team across the finish line for one more title. He's he's really giving it everything he's got. Um, 
From a player perspective, I'm going to say a 26-year-old Bo Outlaw. This is his peak here. He has, in this game, he, he plays a game-high 43 minutes. He has 8 points, 16 rebounds, and 5 steals, which is just stellar. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful stuff. And then, this is his first Magic season. The Magic signed him, and they said it on the broadcast, they signed him to what they call the $1 million salary exemption back then. So, he's playing for a million bucks. Um, this season, Bo plays all 82 games. He starts 76 of them, and then he averages a career-high 9.5 points per game, averaging 36 minutes per game. I mean, Chuck really just, he, he uses as much Bo Outlaw as he can. It's, it's really great. Um, and then I don't know if you have any other ones. I got two more. Uh, Bo Outlaw is probably <clears throat> peak year, but Horace Grant, interestingly enough, is still in the tail end of his prime. You're right. Because he had a sustained period where he was equally effective for about six or seven years. I think he's 31 here. So, yeah, he's, he's like right there at tail end. And, I mean, with Penny out, with Nick out, I mean, there's, this is a heavily – this is a, this is a big uh, injury year, basically. And, you know, he, he shows up a lot. I mean, he has his own injury issues as well during this time. But he, he does well. Um, and then – I'm making an argument for Paul Porter. He looks like... There's a few times during the broadcast where you kind of see him. He looks like a world-famous opera singer here in 1997. His vocals are about as strong as ever. I mean, his here comes the magic. It's, it's fucking great. I mean, I don't think it's ever as good as that. And then he knows there's no more Shaq or pennies for this game anyway, for the rest of the season anyway. And so he knows he's got to get the fans more involved. I mean, he's he's into this. He, he's really into it. Obviously, you know, part of it, too, is you're playing the Bulls, but he's really into this game. Um, piggybacking off the Paul Porter thing, I'm also going with the Arena uh, in-game sound effects. I miss them. It's not perfect. It, they don't pitch a perfect game here, but the womp, 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 and then just doing stuff like the Roadrunner beep, beep, you know, for Daryl when he checks into a game. Like, it's they're, they're really good. It's... I'm, I don't know. I, I, it's tough. My answer is going to be Bo Outlaw, but there's there's tough. There's many ways you can go. Yeah, uh, you make a compelling argument, and I'm a big Paul Porter fan, so he's my winner there. That's fine. We we, we can ride with Paul here. We, we might bring up Paul in a few of these games, honestly, because depending on, what, uh, on, on how much digging I do, I mean, there's only a, so many Magic games that are fully out there on YouTube. And hopefully the NBA during this coronavirus stuff doesn't start shutting down some of those feeds. I, that'll be just a disservice to fans. Um, all right, I have one more award. Um, which player comes out of this game looking the best? So who's basically the winner of this game? I have two. Um, the first one I have is you can make the case for Daryl Armstrong. It's 10 points in 20 minutes. Mark Price picks up two quick fouls like a minute and a half in the, into the game. And then Daryl just makes his presence known immediately and often the whole night. And there's just multiple big-time hustle plays, and it's it's crazy. Um, I got one more, but I don't know if you want to bring one up. Uh, I, I have two usual sus- uh, suspects. So the first is going to be Ronnie Cycli. Okay. Uh, Ronnie's my second guy, so, yep, you make the case right. here. In spite of the fact that you, uh, in watching this game, you remember that he absolutely refused to use his left hand for any reason whatsoever. Uh, he's still capable of being the workhorse down the stretch and putting a game on his back and sealing it. 
And the other person, again, who comes off looking the best, I think, is Horace Grant, who, uh, as the camera trails the magic through their victory tunnel walk, you see him reach out to a uh, white woman's fa- uh, white woman yeah. uh, stands. Yeah. And the grasp, it lasts a little bit too long. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to say, whether or not he was in his prime on the floor, Horace Grant was in his prime in 1997. All right, that's fair, man. That's So, I... My pick is going to be Ronnie Cycli. He goes 5 of 14 for this game, but he still leads the game in scoring with the 26 points. He's hitting clutch free throws. He's 16 of 17 from the line. He's just causing the Bulls defense fits the whole time. He gets that basically a four-point play after the Rodman flagrant. He hits the free throws, and he gets that that great uh, finish at the rim. And then, I mean, he's the go-to guy winning the game against Michael Jordan. I mean, anytime you go, it's... You know, and he finishes it off with a with a solid Tiger Woods like fist pump after one after a free throw, and DJ Ronnie's my pick. I mean, that's I, I I'm gonna go cycling. It's just it's I don't know where I would rank him amongst greatest Magic centers all time because obviously you know you have you know Dwight Shaq in front. Um, I, I guess for career wise you have to put Vucevic in front, but then it's like there's a there's a discussion between do you go Gortat or cycling. Cycli, when he was on, Cycli's really freaking good, man. I mean, he he may not be like Miami Heat or Syracuse days good, at least on on the defensive end. But I mean, offensively, you you could ride him for for games and for stretches at times. The only issue was he had the worst hands ever. His hands, he had butterfingers. Like my my dad, he had like a Greek saying basically that, and a Greek term for him that basically said he had butterfingers and. I, I can never get that image out of my mind ever because it's true. I mean, if he held on to the ball, he was probably scoring. But if he didn't, he, he could be a turnover machine issue. And so, um, yeah, that's that's all I got to say about that. But I think Ronnie wins the game, and I think you agree with me on that. Yeah. And that's it. That's the first uh, portion of our uh, magical uh, m- magical movie segment. Hopefully, uh, ho- hopefully we'll, we'll get better at these and – Hopefully we'll get uh, fans really into it because, unfortunately, you know Fox Sports Florida is only re-showing games, rebroadcasting games from this season, and I haven't looked at NBA's. You know, NBA.com gave out like free league pass to anyone basically for the next month or so, but I don't know what type of Magic games are on there. I also I don't want to pick the most obvious Magic games. I want to pick like a vague Magic game like this almost, um, and so. Yeah, we're always open to suggestions for awards for games you want to see in full um, because we're all self-quarantining or we're all uh, working from home and stuff or just staying at home. Uh, we may try, try and get a few more people on for this stuff because I, I have fun. I don't know if, if I, I like I like this stuff. Yeah, it's nice to go down memory lane and uh, not only the nostalgic arena stuff, but also the players that have a, uh, maybe a smaller impact on magic history, but are memorable nonetheless. All right, so yeah, let's talk some coronavirus stuff here a little bit. Um, so you and I were in Asheville, North Carolina, around that weekend of like March fifth or the sixth. Um, we knew it, it, we knew uh, it was potentially going to be an issue, but by the time we get back and like a week later, everybody has to work from home. Or, I mean, you know, Orange County. Right now, they're in the middle of a basically a two-week uh, stay-at-home order that runs through like April 9th. Um, 
it's kind of weird because it's only applies to Orange County. Like a lot, most of the other counties in the state aren't doing anything right now. Um, that's up to the government, uh, you know, be it state or federal to decide on that. But, um, I mean, you, you I, I was a little worried for you for a bit there because you, you came back from the Asheville trip other than us drinking half of Asheville to death, um, all, all of its alcohol. Um, you weren't feeling good for a bit. And then, you know, we start finding out that certain people aren't feeling great and, and whatever. But I, I think, I, I think, uh, you know, you're, you're still good. I'm still good. Um, as unfortunately the situation, I think you and, and I agree, like cases are going to start spiking just because people aren't getting tested right now. So, um, yeah, we're, we're doing our best to keep the, uh, keep the CDC and, and, uh, all of the other protocols. And, yeah. Uh, hoping that life will return to normalcy uh, as soon as it's safe to, right? Yeah, and I mean, look, there's still, I'm still seeing stuff on Instagram where there's people out at beaches, there's people out at rivers and lakes, and it's just like, don't, I mean, look, you can do that by yourself, but once you start having like a gathering of people, like you're defeating the purpose of all this. And so, um, you know, for you, from a UCF perspective, I'm finishing up my MBA in like three weeks, basically, and... UCF's been shut down. I'm not. We're not going to have any type of graduation ceremony in person anyway. Maybe like some weird virtual one, but like it's impacting all students. Anybody that was living on campus had to go home. Um, you know, obviously you can't meet in person for classes, so you have professors trying to figure out Zoom technology basically um, for lectures. And and you know, it, it's just interesting to see how well certain institutions certain countries are handling this situation and there's a correlation to uh coronavirus cases in that regard um but you know from a magic perspective like the magic are 30 and 30 uh, 30 and 35 they're the eight they would be the eighth seed in the east um they are a half game behind brooklyn which kind of sucks now because if we get back to playing real games they may have kevin durant back they may even have kyrie irving back i don't know but um, I mean, no, no, I'm not even going to start venturing to guess when and if the NBA comes back. It, the earliest seems like it's June and have to be in empty arenas or stadiums, or they may have to pick one or two locations and do the games there. They may not have any more regular season games, or they may only do like four or five more regular season games to get all the teams to say 70 or 72 games total and then start the playoffs. Like, do you do a like a five game first round series? Do you do even shorter series now? Like it's, there's, there's a lot of questions there. Um, you know, I, I, it is cool to see that, you know, once Rudy Gobert tested positive, like the NBA just, they, they shut down everything and everybody followed suit immediately. So kudos to Adam Silver. I think, um, you know, it's interesting to see out of all the sports globally, the NBA is pretty much the first one, um, you know, being responsible in this situation. So people are going to look to the NBA to be the first ones to come out of this with, you know, with entertainment for the people. Cause I mean, some people have only been you know, staying at home for a week or, you know, as opposed to others who have stayed in their, you know, in their homes weeks like we have. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where we go. I don't know what type of thoughts you have. I, I was going to bring up just a few things for the magic. Um, I don't know if you want to bring up anything personally coronavirus wise other than support your local businesses, especially your local Chinese food restaurants, because we have stupid people out there that are xenophobes. And 
hey, Cinco de Mayo isn't that far away. Get get ready to buy some Corona for uh, for cheap because no one's buying it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's nothing novel for me to say other than I think we all uh, are directly impacted to somebody who's either older or uh, has a immune system that's compromised and. Uh, whether whether we get sick and can fight it off, or even as the cases mount for um, those in younger age ranges where there's serious complications, uh, it's more about taking care of the person next to you um, and your neighbor than it is yourself. I'm yeah. Saying. So. Yeah, I mean, you uh, and I, you and I are are, gonna, are fine. I mean, there's nothing like if even I mean, heck, we both could have already had it for all we know. Like I, I've, I had like one day where I wasn't feeling great. You had like five days where you weren't feeling great. So for all we know, like we've already had it or something. You know, it's we don't know that that's just how this virus works. And you know, again, it's it's not about you. It's about people that are more susceptible to what you know the type of harm this virus can do. So. Um, all right, so looking at the magic, I, I am going to be curious to see if and when the NBA gets restarted again, will they have both Jonathan Isaac and Al Farouk Amino available to them? Because that makes things kind of interesting after that. And, I mean, it's, it, you know, how much practice time are they going to allow these guys? That's the other thing. It's like you're going to have guys coming back, you know, out of shape, like out of sync. Um, it might start looking like, you know, the 1999 lockout season where like first to 72 points wins a game, you know, who knows, but, um, yeah, it's obviously the way, you know, the league works and the rules work. I don't think Chumo Kiki can play, although I've made arguments where you can, you can maybe, uh, protest and say, Hey, maybe we can re-sign him for this, but for this stretch, but I, I don't think so. It's, you're looking at Aminu and, uh, and Isaac, hopefully. Um, the Magic and credit to the DeVos family have done their part for its uh, 1800 part-time Magic, Solar Bear, and Lakeland Magic employees. You know, the DeVos family started a $2 million fund to basically fund the rest of the regular season games almost for for these people, um, or at least it's the start of it. Um, and it's probably going to require more. Eight Magic players were known to have added to this fund. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Markel Fultz. Aminu, DJ Augustine, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, Michael Carter-Williams. So um, I don't know if other players added to it. I won't pick out if they did or not, whatever. But um, it looks like, you know, they've, they're doing their part at least. That's the other worry now is, you know, you and I are lucky. We can actually work from home. But there's all these people that, you know, especially in service industry jobs that have already been laid off and are furloughed. And it's, it's going to be tough, you know. Sports and basketball, it it means nothing compared to what's going on out there with all the thousands of people dying, and so, um, you know, it's. But we are a Magic basketball podcast, so we try to focus more on the basketball side of things. But um, you know, you got the NBA that's losing money. I mean, you got all sports leagues losing money. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the salary cap situation because. I don't know if you want to agree or disagree, Penny, but if I'm Evan Fournier now and I'm seeing the salary cap dropping, I might be picking up my $17 million player option now for the 2020-2021 season. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously the, the world economy as a whole is uh, yeah. up in the air, and that directly impacts basketball revenue, which directly impacts the salary cap projections moving forward. So. Um, I think it depends a lot on the risk tolerance for the players involved, right? Uh, yeah. Evan Fournier 
probably uh, more confident than your uh, average player. But uh, that being said, uh, it, there's definitely some interesting decisions that'll be made, and some people will will uh, want the security. Yeah, and uh, heck, maybe even James Ennis picks up his two million dollar player option. Who knows? We could be in the in in, in you know. It just depends on how impacted the salary cap is, I guess. But um, you know, we the Olympics are now postponed as well for summer twenty twenty one. So uh, you know that could give guys like Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac a shot to get on Team USA. Um, that gives Aminu and maybe even Chumo Kiki a chance to play for Nigeria. Um, there's a lot of just impacts internationally with that as well. And I, if the NBA were to come back, and I, I get, I mean, it's, it's tough because there's no timeline. We don't know, like, you know, how far back the NBA would push its actual year. You know, the year ends, you know, or, or restarts July 1st. Do you push it to, you know, September 30th? You know, I, I don't know. So, um, but do you, think the, do you think the NBA would tell teams, hey, we're going to complete the remaining regular season games um or do you think they jump straight into the playoffs or what, what do you think what 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 would you have any specific ideas and then we're not even talking about you obviously can't go city to city you for at least at the start like you might have to just cluster these teams in a few arenas like uh, there's that factor too yeah i wouldn't be surprised to be honest with you if they uh uh, I, there's no way they're going to finish a full 82-game regular season. I wouldn't be surprised if they did like a, a round-robin kind of one-week uh, like divisional things where all the teams are kind of you know kept in the same geography. Yeah. Maybe Southeast Division plays a round-robin over the course of seven days to finish out and get the a lot. You know, like you said, everyone gets uh, 65 games or whatever, 70 games. Um, and then they seed for the playoffs and do a, a shortened, you know, revised postseason schedule. I would imagine that we'll see back to backs in the postseason. Yeah, year. you have to. There's, yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's definitely going to happen for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's all I got. Like I said, if you don't need to be out there, if you're not, you know, what they deemed part of the essential workforce. Um, Try not just don't go out. Plus, they're pulling people over now if if you're wandering out, like unless you're getting like food or, um, you know, aiding uh, a family member or something. Um, just stay home because I mean, even the Florida, you know, Surgeon General said that if you're over the age of 65 or if you're like susceptible to, to you know, to to these types of disease to diseases and whatnot, um, they want you staying home. So, as healthy people, stay home. Just be stay safe. Stay at home. Watch some of these old games with us, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. But any yeah. any other uh, point you want to add before we close out? I think you covered it succinctly, and I look forward to taking a trip down memory, memory lane again soon with you. All right, well, we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go magic, take care, wash your hands, stay home. Get out the 